Come on, thank you so much. Hey, what do you say we celebrate Hazlitt, McKinney, those watching on our online campus? Come on, those at our video venues. Come on, let them hear you a little bit. Man, I am so grateful to be here. I want you to know I love your pastor. I love Jeff and Brandy. I mean, you know they're the real deal? They're the real deal, everybody, and I'm so grateful for their heart for you. They love you. Uh, it's, uh, it's a privilege to be called their friend, and, um, so, and I know it's a privilege for you to have them as your pastors. They're a tremendous couple, and I'm grateful to be here, and I bring you some cooler greetings from Destin. It's cooler in Destin than in Texas. It's crazy. It's crazy. I can't believe How many of you have been to Destin? Uh, let me see a show of hands. Come on. You've been to Destin. Holy smokes. How many of you, how many of you have been there this year or plan to go there this year? Let me see your hands. Yeah, fabulous. I, you know, in our weekend services, every service has a hand up. I've met some people in our lobby that, hey, I go to Milestone, we're part of the same family, and I just think it's beautiful. I just think it's great, and uh, I just love it. I, as big as the kingdom of God is, it's family. Amen, everybody? And I just think it's great. So what a privilege it is to be here. Everybody feeling good? Everybody feeling strong, huh? I hope you're feeling good. I hope you're feeling strong. It was, I could sense your, your passion for Jesus and worship. I want to get into this weekend's message that I've entitled, While You Were Sleeping. And that's the name of a movie, by the way, for some of you that might not know that, but uh, one of my favorites, by the way. But uh, I've entitled it, While You Were Sleeping, and if you open your Bibles to Matthew 13, if you would be so kind as to turn there, or if you got your smartphone, I'm sure you got a Bible app, uh, click there, because I just think it's important that you get to see it and follow along with it, and realize that this isn't out of the Reader's Digest, but out of the Holy Bible. I want you to find it in Matthew chapter 13, and Jesus is going to unpack a parable and what happens when people are most vulnerable, when people are most susceptible. And uh, I just think it's vital that we understand that and be on our guard. How many know that it's our job as pastors uh, really to be shepherds, and as shepherds, we're called to look out for the flock? Yes or no, everybody? And I just think this is so important. This is one of those messages that will just uh, raise, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the level of, uh, of just awareness of the world that we're around. Matthew 13, Jesus is going to put to us a parable starting in verse 24. And another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, there's that phrase. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. In other words, weeds. So the servant of the owner came and said, Sir, didn't we sow good seed in our field? How did we end up with these tares? He said to them, an enemy. Everybody say enemy. An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? He said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you'll also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest and the time of harvest. I'll say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. 
Jesus would share this parable and then he would unpack its explanation and what it means and what different things symbolize. And starting in verse 36, then Jesus sent the multitudes away and went into the house and his disciples came to him and said, hey man, would you unpack this parable called the tares of the field? And in verse 37, he answered and he said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Everybody say Jesus. Okay, Jesus is a sower of good seed. In other words, the field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. In other words, people. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Take note of this. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. And they'll gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and cast them into a furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine. Come on. For, will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What a pretty powerful short story of the wheat and the tares. And you say, well, pastor, that sounds so strong. Bundle up and throw them into the furnace for, to be burned and bundle some up and put them in the barns. And it, it's a shocking our story, but that's what the word parable means, by the way. Parable in the Greek means parabolos, which is to hurl with force to capture someone's attention. It was a shocking our story to be able to capture people's attention to recognize, hey, listen, you need to know what really is going to take place at the end of this age. I say that to you because there's some things in this story that I want to unpack theologically that it, we need to know what we believe. How many know it's important that we really know what we believe? There's so much stuff and so much information and so much, so much teaching that can be erroneous and deceptive. It is important that we know what we truly believe and what this truly says. Can I hear a good Amen. And we're here to be theologically correct. And by the way, you say, well, this sounds harsh and this isn't politically correct. You cannot be theologically correct and be politically correct at the same time. You can't. You can't. McKinney, hear me. Hear me. Hazlitt, you can't. We didn't write this. We didn't create this. Come on. God did. And he's telling us some theological truths, everybody. One, first and foremost, there's a spiritual world. How many know that there really is a spiritual world? There really are angels. There really is a devil. But there really is a son of man by the name of Jesus. And we believe in him. But we know that there's a spiritual world. We know that for a fact. And we also know that there is an end of an age that's coming. How many know that Jesus is coming back? Come on, he's going to come back. And, 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 and just like he came the first time, he's coming back. He said, I'm coming to get you. I, he, there is an end of the age. You and I will appear before an almighty God, whether it's at the end of your life or at the end of this age. If he delays in coming, it'll be at the end of your life. It'll be if he returns while you're alive, it'll be the end of the age. But either way, we will all appear before almighty God. The Bible tells us that. And the story reinforces these theological truths. There's a spiritual world. There's a spiritual world. There's an end of the age. 
that by the way, he's the author and the finisher of our faith and he's the author and the finisher of the ending. That the author has the right to dictate how it ends. Can I hear a good amen? amen. By the way, the Bible also teaches us some other truths that there's going to be a separation between those that are followers of Christ and those that are not. You say, Pastor, that sounds so harsh. Listen, no one has to, no one has to go to hell. Can I hear a good amen? You know, you say, because this, this teaches us that there's a separation between the children of light and the children of darkness. And it also tells us that there's a, there's a place called a, a barn, which is heaven. And there's a, a place where they're bundled called hell. And you say, that sounds so harsh and shocking. Oh, I know it is. But no one has to go to hell. If someone goes there, it's because they chose to go there by rejecting Christ, not because God sent them there. This is why we are called as a church, hear me, to reach people and build lives. That's the beauty of what Milestone is called to do. And you get to be a part of the kingdom of God in reaching people so we can populate heaven, plunder hell, and make sure that people, th people get to heaven by believing and accepting in Christ. These are such strong theological truths that you need to hold on to deeply and dearly. In this world that is filled with so much of political correctness. In a, a world that's filled with, man, everyone's going to heaven and everybody's going to end up. Listen, that's just not true. And it's important that we know what we believe. And because Jesus is teaching it and reinforcing it in our hearts, we need to be followers of Christ. Amen. With that in mind, there's also some practical things that this passage teaches us. There's some practical things that this Bible teaches us. It teaches us that this list that I want to show you real quick, that the field is the world and the seed is people. The sower of wheat is Jesus. The sower of tares is the devil. And this is what I've come to realize, everybody, that... Uh, that in this world, you're going to see that there's going to be people in your life that will add value to you. But God is telling us to be careful, hear me, because there are people that can take value from you. And he teaches us how to be mindful that there are both. Jesus is a sower of people. And at the same time, so is the dark one. He is a sower of people. And it's teaching us to be mindful. You know, at the end of the day, when I watched your serve day online and the recap of it, what was cool about that is I watched how God worked through you. How many know that God can express himself through us? Come on. He can. Uh, if, you, if God wants to express love, he expresses it through people. I mean, Jesus is the full expression of God himself. And so we realize that love is expressed through God. I mean, kindness is expressed through God, through you, as you do acts of kindness, acts of service, as you pray, as, as, as Kamala was praying for, for people. That, that, is, that is faith being expressed through people. But also the dark one works. When you see things like, how, how about this? When you see something as tragic as Uvalde, how many know that there was a dark one that was behind that? So you have to be mindful that there's, God is working through his people and 
the dark one himself wants to work through people. And this is why I want to just give you three practical thoughts that, that you can apply. Yes, I understand theological, but there are some things that I want to grasp practical. And number one, it's as simple as this, and that is this. God wants us to be, come on, say it with me, everybody. Di- come on. I want to be discerning. Because the wheat and the tares look alike as they grow. I'm no farmer. I have spent the night at a Holiday Inn Express, everybody. (laughs) But I'm no farmer. But I know for a sure fact, wheat and tare grow alike. And you're like, man, this looks great. But then all of a sudden, it wasn't until the end that the guy said, hey, wait a minute. Didn't we sow wheat? How did these tares end up here? While men slept. How did that person wound me so deeply? How did that person take something so precious from me? How was I taken advantage of through that business partner of mine? How did that happen? I think if we all, if we opened up the mic, which we will not... And say, hey, man, anybody want to hear a grievance today about somebody that was in your life that appeared like wheat but ended up being a tear and took something precious from you, wounded you, hurt you? I think we would all be able to say that. Come on. And so God is telling us, I want you to be discerning. And I want you to be careful. Because Matthew 13, 38, as we see this verse, he tells us right off the bat, the field is the world, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. And God says, I want you to be discerning because Matthew 7 says this very verse. Jesus is talking. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous. Say the last word, everybody. Come on. It's true. That beyond the clothing, there is something devouring. And if I can get past the surface, God, give us discernment. God, teach our kids discernment. Come on, somebody. God, teach my grandkids to be able to discern. Not to judge, because my kids would say, oh, dad, you're just judging. I'm not judging. I am not taking the place of God and determining someone's eternal state. That is not who I am, and that's not what I do. But I will discern what can come and add value to your life and what can take value from your life, because the scripture tells us plainly, bad company can corrupt good character. And I have to teach my grandkids, be careful, because the enemy can come steal, kill, or what? Destroy through people. And I want to be discerning, and I want to be careful, I want to be guarded, because I don't want to let someone win me, work me, or wow me. Because they're, they've dazzled me. And this is why Jesus was saying, hey, listen, uh, man, you can be wowed by somebody's prophecy here, there's false prophets, you know, like, they could just, you could be wowed by, wow, wow, that sounds pretty, and they could win you with their charm, work you with their words, but at the end, they don't have your best interest at heart. Are are you picking up what I'm putting down today? And I say this just simply because I just know that the enemy loves to plant people in our lives 
And we just need to be discerning. And the way we're discerning is we just ask the Holy Spirit, hey, hey, have you assigned this person to my life? And there's safety in the multitude of, anybody know? Counsel. You see, the Bible tells us that the children of Israel were going to take the promised land. And as they were coming to take the promised land, the Bible tells us that, lo and behold, there's, they were conquering one city after another. And this one city came to them. These group of people said, we don't want to be conquered by them. We need to fool them and trick them and make them make a covenant with us. And if we can make a covenant with them, wow, then we'll be spared. They said, well, how do we do that? He says, I got it. We'll put on some old raggedy clothes, put some holes in our canteens, get some molded bread, and tell the people, we'll tell the children of Israel, we're not from the promised land. We're from a far away country. And we're going to just, we're just going to fool them to make a league with us so they don't conquer us. And so the Bible tells us in Joshua 9, 14, that, that in Joshua 9, and the men took of their vigils and they stood all the bread, the, the empty canteens, and they did not ask counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Can I say this to you? You can write this down for you note takers. Take relationships slow. The reason I say that is because they were just quick to make a decision. There's safety in the multitude of counsel, friends. Be mindful, be careful, because it's so important. And they made a league with them, according to Joshua 9.15. And at the end of the day, that was not a blessing to them. It was a weight on them. I, I, I just feel like the Bible tells us in Matthew 13, 25, 26, but while men slept, while men slept, while you were sleeping, and I just think it's as they came and they sowed, they sowed these seeds. And the blade was sprung up and it brought forth fruit. Everybody say fruit. Come on. Fruit. See, fruit takes a while to produce. This is why I tell you to take relationships low. Don't be worked or wowed or wooed or won because you just saw something that flashed, you know, and it looked like gold and sounded, you know, so good. Listen, take time to look to, for the fruit because it takes time to be able to see what has been cultivated in a person's life. But when we find ourselves asleep, and when are we asleep? We're most vulnerable. Look, look at it. You're most vulnerable when you're two things. One, when you're exhausted. That's when you sleep. Man, I'm just tired. I was talking to someone back in Destiny who was wanting to take on a partner in his business. He wanted to open up a, an office and start a business, and he wanted to get an investor. And he, every time he went to go find somebody, he was just tired, and he was willing to settle. And I said to him, and he showed me a proposal, and I said, this does not look good. Oh, Pastor, I'm just so tired, and I need somebody. I said, wait, God has somebody. Come on, somebody. I said, wait, God has somebody. Because when you're exhausted and you're battling and you're stressed, you're going to sleep and your guard's going to come down and you're going to be vulnerable. Or two, you're discouraged. The Bible tells us that the disciples slept while Jesus prayed in the garden because of sorrow. 
They slept because of sorrow in the book of Luke as it tells us that they were just sad. And when you've been sad and you're discouraged, and I had this one girl come up to me. She goes, Pastor, I'm so discouraged. I'm 25 and I'm not married. I said, why are you discouraged? God's got somebody for you. And she was a spiritual daughter. And, and so she would bring guys. She goes, would you look out for me? I don't want to make a mistake. And she'd bring someone for me to... I don't know, evaluate to see if she should, I don't know, it's kind of weird, you know, and would you just see if he should, if I should date this guy, and I'm like, no, I don't think you want him, and then she bring somebody, no, certainly not him, you know, and it's like, but he goes to church, I said, I don't know if he could pick Jesus out of a one-person lineup, let's not go there, I mean, it's crazy, she just brought anyone, in, and I finally said, I said, stop. Why don't we, instead of looking for someone, why don't we trust that God will bring someone? Let's not be discouraged or exhausted to the point where we're so vulnerable. Maybe you're vulnerable. Maybe you're tired of being lonely. Maybe you're needing a business partner. Maybe you're just so desperate for friends. Maybe you want to get married. Trust God to bring the right person at the right time that'll add value in your life. Someone that has the fruit. Finally, God sent someone to her. I'm telling you, he loved Jesus. He was good looking. He was rich. Every anniversary, this is no exaggeration, because you know preachers can exaggerate. There's no exaggeration. She sends me a note. Tells me how grateful she is. And the fact that they have a home in Costa Rica and lets me want to come stay at it every time. <laughs> that I've never taken her up on. But my job was done. To help her discern. To bring the right person into her life. Are you getting anything out of this today? Because I just think it's important that we understand that Jesus gave another parable in John 10, and I'll move on. In John 10, this is a parable. Most people don't know this, but it tells us plainly it's a parable. He that enters not by the doors into the sheepfold, but climbs in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. Remember, if he doesn't come in the right way through the door, if I say the door, Jesus would later on say, if I had enough verses up here on the screen, would say, I am the door. In other words, if I don't sanction that relationship, you need to be guarded. If I don't bless that relationship, you need to be guarded. If I haven't assigned that person, you need to be guarded. Anyone who enters in other than through the door is a thief and a robber. And we know what he said about the thief. The thief comes to what? Steal, what? Kill, and to destroy. We always think that means the devil. No, it's people that are being used by the enemy to steal value out of your life. And God says, no, in the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the porter opens. And I thought to myself, who is the porter? It's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says, this person has come into your life through the door, by the way, Jesus assigned this person, then you will realize, man, this person's gonna add value to my life, not take from it. Amen, everybody? Number two, write this down. God wants us to be developed. This is the tough part when he develops us in difficult relationships and in different and with different kinds of people. 
You know, the fact of the matter, the wheat and the tear are totally opposite. And the guy said to, G, to the landowner, he said, shall we tear the, shall we, just, uh, shall we just pull up all these tears? And the owner said, which is Jesus, said, don't do it lest you uproot the wheat also. You know, when you uproot something, you stop its growth. When you uproot something, you stop its development. When you pick something, it'll, it stops its growth. Instantly. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't uproot it. In the midst of it, you're going to grow from it. I mean, you're going to grow around difficult people. You're going to grow around different people. Ask anybody that's married. They'll agree with you. They'll agree with me. They'll say, yeah. Because opposites attract. But then all of a sudden, there's always that friction. But what happens? God uses it, come on, to help us grow. This is why the Bible tells us in, in, um, in Matthew, he says this. He says, let both grow together until the harvest. You know, most of us, when we're in difficult situations, here's what we pray. Instead of praying, God, would you develop me? We pray, God, would you deliver me? Would you get me out of this? Or would you get them away from me? And God says, no, I, I've pushed it in there to cultivate something in you so you can grow in the midst of a difficult situation. I used to teach my kids. They went to public school and like, oh, this teacher doesn't like me. This teacher's no good for me. I said, she hit you? She beat you? She touched you wrong? She doing it? No, she just don't like me. I say, well, good. <laughs> I said, good. I said, you've got nine months to learn how to win her favor. And look at me like a deer in the headlights. I said, oh, dad, just get me out of that. No, no you're going to get a job one day that you're going to have to learn how to cultivate and win favor. Come on, somebody. You got to, uh, this is why God, uh, most of us were like, God, get me out of here. Beat me up, Scotty. Get, rapture me, do something. Get me out of this thing. God's like, no, 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 no. No. You're staying. You're going to be developed. And in the midst of it, you're going to grow. You see, I'm going to tell you something. You won't really grow love until you have some enemies. It's easy to love those that love you. Jesus said that. But have some enemies. It's easy to bless those that bless you, but bless those that curse you. Come on, somebody. It's easy to pray for those that pray for you. You pray for me, I'll pray for you. Yeah, I got it. We're good. Pray for those that have persecuted you, abused you, used you. Now you're cultivating and being developed in the difficult place. It's, it's the way God has assigned it. At the end of the day, Jesus grew that same way. And God teaches us how to grow in that area in a very healthy way. And by the way, in the midst of that, you can, here's a key thought that I, that I have. God uses difficult people to really, God uses people to smooth out our rough edges. Um, the fact of the matter is, the Bible teaches us this one truth, and this is very important, that we are God's temple. How many know that you're the temple of God? You're the temple of God. 
And, uh, and the Bible tells us in Ephesians, if you look at this verse in verse 21, 221, in whom all the building is fitly framed together. Now it's talking naturally, but it's really talking spiritually, that God is going to take you and smooth out the rough edges so you can fit perfectly in this beautiful tapestry, in this beautiful building, as a beautiful stone, as part of the edifice called the body of Christ, the temple of God. You are a temple that God is working on. And God is going to chisel out some rough edges. She's like, I don't like that. Too bad. No one likes that. But it's part of our growth process. And God is going to do that with you. And he's going to do that with me. The Bible tells us when they were building the temple in the Old Testament. Check out this verse in 1 Kings 6, 17. It's pretty cool. The Bible tells us that the stones used for the construction of the temple. Remember, you're the temple. So it's talking about the natural. It's talking about you personally. Uh, were finished at the quarry. So there was no sound of a hammer axe or any other iron tool at the building site. So in other words, what God was doing was uh, as they were building the temple, Solomon was building the temple to make everything fit. Everybody say fit. God was, they were smoothing out the edges of the stone, but they were doing it at the quarry, not at the temple. So, so that's where the chisel, that's where the axe, that's where the hammer, what's the quarry where God has placed you? That workplace, that relationship, those family members, you know what I'm saying? That business that you're, you're like, oh, I don't like it. I, listen to me. It's where God does his work. It's where God smooths out our edges. It's where God develops us to love. This is, the Bible, this is why the Bible says that patience have its perfect work, that you might be complete and entire, lacking nothing, I, that, that there's not an aspect that is lacking in you because God has done a work in you. And this is why I was thinking about the story of David and Goliath. This imagery hit my mind. It's kind of unique, but I really believe it's from the Lord. Everybody thinks about, you know, the bravery of David. You're like, yeah, give me that giant. I'll cut his head off, you know. And here's Goliath, fee fi fo fum and all that stuff, you know. And it was, yeah, that's Philistine gibberish for some of you that don't know. And, 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 you know, the fact of the matter is, is that we think about the sword and all that stuff and the throw that was so wonderful. But what about the rock? Now, check this out. In 1 Samuel 17, 40, he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five. What's the next word, everybody? Come on. Say it again. Say it louder. Smooth stones from the stream. I thought to myself, when he was reaching down in there, keeping his eye on Goliath, but feeling for five stones, he wasn't feeling for stones that were rough. He was feeling for those stones that had maybe been in the stream for a long time, yet to be seen for their purpose while he's reaching down deep to grab that stone he says oh that one's smooth and can cut through the air this will be perfect in my hand and in the sling and he would reach down and he would grab the five and I thought to myself how did those stones become smooth except the current 
except the irritants and the sand and the dirt, year after year, pounding against those stones to make them, come on, smooth. So then when David's hand would reach in and grab it and then put it in his sling and throw it, it could be exactly what he needed to accomplish God's will. And I thought to myself, what if we allow God to keep us in that stream, in that quarry, longer than we'd like? Our flesh doesn't like it as we're battered by all sorts of things and people and everything. But in the midst of it, the mighty hand of God at the right time reaches down and gets a hold of that and says, oh, there it is. I've taken the smooth, I've taken the rough edges off of Steve and now I can take him and use him in my mighty hand. Like 2 Timothy says, that I would be fit for the master's use, ready for every good work to accomplish the will of God in my life. That's what God is, that is why the difference between being, say, God, help me be discerning, but also in the midst of this, help me be developed. Last but not least, and I'll close with this, God wants you and I to be distinct. Everybody say distinct. Be distinct. Be distinct, McKinney. Those of you traveling, having time with your family away this summer, be distinct. Be Christ followers. Hazlitt, be distinct. Keller, be distinct. Be distinct. No ambiguity. No shades of gray. There is no, there is, there is, there is no, no doubt we are fully devoted Christ followers. We're not going to give the appearance of something that we're not. We are truly wheat. We are children of Almighty God. He said the field is the world. I get that. Because in the church, right here at Milestone, he expects each and every one of us, come on, to be wheat. To be genuine, authentic followers of Christ. Can I hear a good amen, somebody? That's going to be us. He said, I want there to be such a distinction. There's no doubt. You're a Christ follower. You're mine. You're totally devoted. Totally devoted. All in. No shades of gray. No questioning. We are distinct. You see, I have this key thought that says this. God doesn't discriminate because God's not prejudiced. But he does distinguish. He knows those that are wheat. And he knows those that are tares. He knows those that are genuine. Those that are not genuine. But all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible, he tells us, I want you to either be hot or, anybody know? Cold. It's distinct. I want you to be light or darkness, righteous or unrighteous. I want you to be godly or you're going to be worldly. There's no shades of gray. There's no three or four or five. There's just light or dark. And we're going to be wheat. We're going to be children, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ today. Can I hear a good amen? What do you say we stand to our feet and close this out in prayer? Come on. Put your hand over your heart. Come on, put your hand over your heart. 
And let me pray for you right here, right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, with all of our campuses joining, may we be your people that are totally distinct. No shades of gray. No shades of gray. Fully devoted, easily recognized, genuine and authentic. We love Jesus. We're all in with Jesus. Father, today as I preach this message, may it just resonate in their hearts that, Lord God, that we would examine our hearts and realize we want to be fully devoted and authentic. And Lord, we examine our hearts also as we place our hand over our heart and recognize, Lord, we've been praying, Lord, deliver me, but Lord, we change it now and say, Lord, develop me. May I look like you, love like you, live like you in the midst of difficult, dark world. And Father, give, my, give me a discerning heart. Come on, pray this with me. Give me a discerning heart to be able to discern. Give our children and our grandchildren a discerning heart that, Lord, we would not be uh, taken advantage of, that we would not be so vulnerable, that we would be mindful of the people that you have assigned in our life and that we would recognize them and welcome them. Holy Spirit, come on, pray this with me in closing. Say, Holy Spirit. Help me in this world to be discerning, to be strengthened, to be developed, and to be distinct for the glory of my Father. In Jesus' name, amen.